Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is John Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. All right, everybody, let's get this show on the road. Welcome, everybody, to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. On this Two for Tuesday, episode 400, I have got a special double episode. You're going to get this episode, episode 400, featuring Justin Dale. And then Wednesday's episode, you're going to get early. It's going to feature... Angela Culliver, the co-owner of the Georgia Vipers and the Lady Venom. I did both these interviews yesterday, and I am going to publish it on a special two for Tuesday. Episodes 400 and 401 are going to publish on the podcast back to back. I am excited about this. You are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key out of Noonan, Georgia. And we are brought to you by Ivy Park Sports Bar and Grill. This is an exciting moment in the podcast history. A huge milestone. I never thought I would get to 400 episodes, but I made it. I feel like this is the mountaintop. I feel like Tom Cruise jumping on Oprah's couch. This is just exciting. And I know it seems like that episode of The Office when Michael Scott was trying to plan his 15-year anniversary at the company of Dunder Mifflin, and then he gets a no-nonsense boss like Charles Minor to come in and squash away his dreams. Well, I don't have a boss. What are you talking about? I don't have a boss for this podcast. I'm the boss of this podcast. No, but Justin Dale's going to be on the show. I'm really excited to have him. I'm, You know, the Braves, they get a huge walk-off win over the Giants Last night, Orlando Arcia wins it 2-1. to one. What a great pitching match. We actually recorded the podcast yesterday, so we're not going to be able to talk about Game 1. But he was actually texting me while the game was going on. I was like, yeah, I think we probably needed to maybe redo that segment of the podcast. And Auburn survives to fight another day in the College World Series. Boy, Stanford was a huge disappointment. Auburn... They battle sickness to defeat Stanford, and they will be still in the double elimination side of the bracket, taking on Arkansas as they lose to Ole Miss. So today, you got Texas A&M and Notre Dame, and then Auburn is taking on Arkansas. Ole Miss survives and goes to the winner bracket along with Oklahoma. The College World Series is always just a great event. Tampa Bay avoids the 3-0 sweep over Colorado. They defeat the Colorado Avalanche in Tampa to stay alive and to make that series interesting. The Columbus Chattahoots fall to the Atlanta Blues 12 to nothing. They they've had a rough couple of days, but they're back in action at historic Golden Park as they will take on the Atlanta Blues once again. 
And then they will take on the Chakalaka Monsters this Friday night. Don't forget that Isaiah Crowell's 6th Annual Football Camp will be this Saturday, and that is brought to you by Sports Visions. Speaking of Sports Visions, on Thursday, I'm going to have DJ Jones. I cannot wait. I finally have a guest on the show that has played in a Super Bowl. I told that to my wife, and I was like, yeah, I think I've come along. I think that this podcast is legit because I got DJ Jones on. And, of course, I had his partner in crime, Thrift Behringer, a couple of weeks ago. Talk to some of the Columbus Chattahoots. Uh, some of the players like Ryan Middleton, Brian Trepanier. Uh, I'm hoping to get maybe Connor O'Neill, maybe Wynn Johns. I'm just uh, skeptical, just reaching out to the Chattahoots, seeing if they want to come on the podcast. Without further ado, it is time to bring Justin Dale on the show as we really get into it. Talking about the Braves and the Giants. And I also posted a picture of myself wearing a Giant shirt and my wife's wearing a Brave shirt. Of course, I always do that every time the Braves are playing the Giants. It is a big series. And then the Braves will take on the Dodgers for a three-game series this weekend, which I expect Freddie Freeman is going to get a standing ovation. And there's going to be emotional tears. And it's going to be the whole nine yards. But the Atlanta Braves, they're going to survive without Ozzie Albies. Orlando Arcia comes through in the clutch with the walk-off hit. So we'll be back with Justin. You don't want to go anywhere. Justin will be here on the show after this quick commercial break. Welcome back to the show. Just a reminder that you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, The Key. Out of Noonan, Georgia. And we are brought to you by Ivy Park Sports Bar and Grill, Go Jump and Slide Inflatables, and Backwoods Barbecue. And back on the show is lifelong Atlanta Braves fan. And what better guess than to talk up this massive series between the Atlanta Braves and the San Francisco Giants. I am a diehard San Francisco Giants fan. Justin Dale, he is a diehard Atlanta Braves fan. Justin, you ready to talk some smack about the Giants? So let's get it started. Absolutely, Richard. Thank you so much for having me back on the uh, show. I just want to let you know, Justin, after this series is over, I will go back to rooting for the Atlanta Braves because they are playing the hated Dodgers in this weekend. Yeah, this is a big week for, for the Braves. Um, we got the Gi- four-game series with the Giants, as well as a three-game series this coming weekend with the Dodgers. Friday will be an emotional night. It'll be Freddie Freeman's first game back in Atlanta. As a member of the Los Angeles Dodgers, he'll get his World Series ring on Friday as well. Um, I don't anticipate too many dry eyes in the house <laughs> on yeah. Friday. I, I do have tickets for that game and, and, and planning as of right now to attend it. So um, it'll definitely be a, um, an emotional, emotional night seeing Freddie come back out um, to Truist Park, um, but with a different team's uniform on. We did this podcast the day before. So game one of that four-game series will already have been played, and it's a massive pitching matchup. Max Freed going up against Logan Webb. But what type of reception do you think Jock Peterson is going to get? And are you going to see some pearls in the stands as well? Oh, no doubt. I think there'll definitely be some pearls um, in the stands. I think Jock Peterson is going to get a huge pop uh, from the crowd. So far, you know, when the first first series, when the Miami Marlins were in town back in April and Jorge Soler made his first at bat, he got a huge standing ovation from the crowd. 
Um, you know, he, he stepped out, tipped his cap to the to the fans and everything. I expect the same thing, if not even bigger one for Jock Peterson. Um, Jock was the one who really, you know, his trade right during the All Star break last year was kind of the first first piece, you know, that fell um, in place for that that magical second half and postseason run. So he really endeared himself to the Atlanta Braves fans. Um, I know there's a lot of fans that miss him, and so I think uh, he'll get a huge ovation. Uh, from the from the fans when he when he steps into the batter's box for the first time and probably also when he receives he should be receiving his World Series ring tonight as well and, and that World Series ring um, is just littered with Jock Peterson tributes really I mean the pearl that's on the side of the ring um, in front of the World Series trophy as well as the the ring opens up and on the inside it has uh, we are those dot 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 you fill in the blank um and so it's there's a lot of a lot of little things in there that remind you of Jock Peterson just within the ring itself it's a huge series of course the Atlanta Braves only were able to take one out of 3 against the Chicago Cubs not before they had a 14 game winning streak the giants right now 3 games back from the dodgers so a huge series for both teams justin you know i'm a lifelong san francisco giants fan and let's Take it all the way back to 1993, the last true pennant chase before they implemented the wild card. You had the Atlanta Braves win 104 games. You had the San Francisco Giants win 103. I seriously thought the Giants were going to run away with this division. Back when the Giants and Braves were NL West rivals, there's no love lost between these two teams. I was completely heartbroken. You remember 1993, the Braves got Fred McGriff. The press box at Atlanta Fulton County Stadium caught fire, and so did the Braves that year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 93 started off, uh, the, the, you know, that was the, the offseason before 93. The Braves signed Greg Maddox, and so that's that was the first year they had the big three together, Maddox, Glavin, and Smoltz. Um, they had this all-world pitching rotation, and, you know, most – publications had them picked to easily get back to the world series that year after you know going to two years prior and they just got off to a little bit of a slow start kind of like the braves this year they got off to a little bit of a slow start the, the the pitching was great the hitting was very uh very light to start that season off and the giants just kind of stormed out the gate um that year and they built this really big lead by by the all-star break they had a uh 13 or 14 game lead i think on the braves um, for that division. And a lot of people thought that the, yeah, the, the Giants were just going to kind of run away and hide, kind of coast their way to winning that division. Um, you know, this wasn't, you know, before 94, before the divisions were split into three, uh, you had the each, each league only had two divisions, an East and a West. And by some oddity, the Braves were in the NL West um, competing with teams like San Francisco, LA, all those West Coast teams. And you had the Atlanta, which is essentially an East Coast city in the NL West. Um, and so, yeah, we have – there's a lot of rivalry games in those, you know, uh, early 90s, you know, Braves, Dodgers, um, you know, they're for people that remember that time period and were alive can remember those um, those battles that we had with them to, to win the division. Um, but, yeah, the Braves caught fire after they got Fred McGriff. Uh, McGriff was, had been playing with the San Diego Padres. They had been having a terrible season and were looking to unload some of their – some of their veterans for, you know, some younger pieces. And uh, the Braves made that trade. Um, the first night that Fred McGriff was in a Braves uniform, the press box kept, caught fire at old Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. Uh, that game, surprisingly, was still played. Um, they, you know, it was delayed a couple hours. They had to put the fire out, and and that whole area was taped off. Um, 
from the stadium, but they played and, and the Braves caught fire. Um, with Fred McGriff, he had a great second half. Uh, the Braves had a fantastic run. Um, I think they only lost like maybe 16 or 17 games in that second half. I mean, they were just red hot. Um, and it was a ex- exciting chase down to the wire. It took all the way, took to the 162nd game um, to decide it. Uh, the Braves won that game. The Giants lost. And, yeah, like you said, Braves won 104, and they went to the NLCS to play the Phillies, and the Giants won 103, and they went home. Oh, Justin, you are bringing back a lot of painful memories for my childhood. I love the Giants. You know, my dad took me to a baseball game in 1989 at Candlestick Park. The Giants were in the World Series, lost to the Oakland Athletics in four games. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I felt the Giants, they'll, they'll be back. And as soon as they got Barry Bonds, that was the biggest free agent signing in my lifetime, as far as a superstar, he was already a three-time MVP with the Pittsburgh Pirates. That Giants team was so special. I thought that was our year. They had not just Barry Bonds. They had Will Clark. They mm-hmm. had Matt Williams. They had Darren Lewis, Royce Clayton, Robbie Thompson. This this team was stacked. They had Bill Swift, Mark Gardner, Rod Beck, the late Rod Beck. He was their closer. This team was so special, and the Braves just – they they ripped it out of my heart and I really you know in a perfect world it would have been great if they would have ended with 104 games and we could have had a one game playoff because I wanted to see the Giants and Braves they were the two best teams all year they they, they definitely were um and the Braves were playing they were one of the hottest teams in the second half um not too many teams wanted to play them um going down the stretch because they just you could just tell they were a team on a mission to win that division and get back into the postseason, um, and you know, like like you said, this is this is prior to the wild card. You know, this was like I said, each league had two divisions, and and the teams that won their divisions went to the um, league championship series. There was no division series, no wild card games, none of that at this time. And so, yeah, it was you know the the Giants were definitely not the only team that, that had ever won a hundred plus games and didn't make the playoffs, but. Um, you know, it was getting to a point where people were starting to realize, hey, look, you know, it's it's you win 100 games, you ought to be playing in the playoffs uh, for sure. And that's when, you know, we started people. They were already the wheels were already starting to move to add a wild card team in there uh, to make the playoffs. And, and they were going to, you know, kind of uh, shake up the divisions a little bit, um, having two divisions with seven or eight teams in each division was a little too much. Um, you know, you kind of break it down like they did to, you know, three divisions, a, a, you know, adding in a, a central division with an East and a West with about five, five to six teams. And each one was a little bit better. And, it, you know, it, because of that, it allowed more teams to feel like they were in it. It allowed more teams to play. And of course it, you know, helps revenue and, and money and all that stuff too. But it was one of those things that, you know, you you know you went you win a hundred games. You think for sure I'm gonna we're gonna be in the playoffs and to win a hundred and three games and have to go home. I mean that's I can, I can imagine how disappointing that would be if it, if it would have been the other way around. If the Giants would have won one hundred and four and we would have won one hundred and three, I would be just as disappointed. All right, well let's fast forward to the two thousands because the Giants and Braves met in the postseason twice, two thousand two, where the Braves actually they were heavy favorites. They had a two to one series lead on the Giants. The Giants won the best of five series by winning the next two. They won a game five at Turner Field. The Giants, every time they beat the Braves in the postseason, they go on to the World Series. You know, unfortunately, they lost to the Anaheim Angels. But then 2010, I actually was at game four 
the game where the Giants clinched, I actually thought that the Braves were going to be able to win that elimination game. You remember when Eric Hinsky hit that go-ahead home run? And Craig Kimbrell, a young Craig Kimbrell, was one strike away from the Braves actually taking the series lead with a chance to close it out in game four. This was the game three. Remember, it was tied 1-1. And the Braves going back to Atlanta because they stole one in San Francisco. You remember that extra inning game where they stole? Uh, yep. This was this was game two because Tim Lincecum pitched a gym, a one nothing win in game one. The Braves stole one in San Francisco. And game three, I remember watching that game, Eric Hinsky with the go-ahead home run, and the Braves were just one strike away, but the Giants rallied to win that game. My wife and I had tickets to go see game four. We were going to go to game four regardless because I'm a Giants fan. She's a Braves fan. Uh, do you remember just that drama of the Braves one strike away from winning game three? I do remember that. Um, and it was a heartbreaking thing because uh, in, in game one or two, the Braves had Billy Wagner as their closer that season. And I want to say it was in game one or two, he came out and got hurt. I don't know if it was pitching or if he was warming up, but he got hurt. And, uh, you know, they had to take him off the roster. Um, and that kind of, you know, pushed young Craig, Craig Kimbrell, who had been, you know, he had been up part of that season and kind of served as like a setup man for for a Billy Wagner and kind of forced him into a role that he hadn't he wasn't quite ready for yet um to be the to be the closer and he was trying to nail down that game and I just remember thinking to myself after Hinsky hit that home run I was like man if we had Wagner in there if we'd had Wagner in there this would have been done and uh, but it's you know injuries happen as part of the game you know next man's got to step up and so I do remember that game I, I remember specifically that um and I also I remember at the end of that series after that game four was over um because that was bobby cox's last year as the manager for the atlanta braves he was retiring at the end of that season and uh he came out to the fans to you know tip his cap one more time and i do i I remember i did appreciate how gracious the giants were for allowing their you know for kind of stopping their celebration a little bit early to allow bobby to kind of have his moment in the sun with the fans one last time and, and pay that respect for him so i did appreciate that from the Giants that they were gracious enough to, you know, cut their celebration a little short, uh, at least on the field. They celebrated, you know, obviously in the clubhouse, but they cut their on-field celebration a little short to allow Bobby to have his moment with the fans. Two class act organizations. I was really rooting for an NLCS Giants and Braves last year. The Giants took the Dodgers to five games. They won with 107 wins and the the Dodgers had 106 wins. I actually think that the Giants really wore the Dodgers out in that NLDS, which set up the pitching perfectly for Atlanta, where they're able to actually get home field advantage because the Dodgers were the wild card team and the Braves were able to get games one and two off walk off wins. I honestly think it it was the Giants that helped the Braves win that NLCS between the Dodgers. I, I agree, and not just the NLC or NLDS where you wore them out. Just that that division that that division race, you know, down the stretch. You know, both teams were fighting for that that uh, you know for the division. They wanted to avoid that wild card game. That's usually usually you want to. It's a one game wild card game being a one and done situation. If you can try to avoid it as much as possible, and you do. And the Dodgers were, were fighting hard to try to win that division, and they came just again, like you said, a game short. 
And so it was a, you know, it was a battle, you know, just all the way down the stretch. And then, you know, the Dodgers have to go play the wild card game. They beat the Cardinals and then they have to go see the Giants again. And y'all did. You took them five games. And I think, you know, between the race as well as that division series, it took a lot out of the Dodgers. Um, but, you know, after the Braves finished off the Brewers, people were asking me, who do you want to play? Do you want to play the Giants or do you play the Dodgers? And, and honestly, selfishly, I wanted to play the Dodgers. Um, I mean, yeah, you know, wild card team, we would have had, you know, home field advantage um, that, you know, all that played a factor in there, too. But for the most part, I just wanted revenge um, for what happened the year prior in the NLCS. You know, you don't sports doesn't usually line up to give you a lot of second chances. And I felt like the Braves might have gotten might get one, you know, a second chance to, to fight to play the Dodgers in the NLCS and try to get over the hump this time and beat them. And so that's why I was selfishly pulling for the Dodgers to win that series because I wanted, I wanted my revenge against them and uh, we got it. It all worked out and we got, we were able to take them out in six games, but I do agree that the Dodgers did look tired in that NLCS. Um, And, and, you know, injuries started piling up for them too. Scherzer was dealing with the dead arm. Uh, Max Muncy was out. He had got hurt last week of the regular season. Uh, uh, Justin Turner got hurt during the NLCS. And so injuries start to, chip away at you too um but either way i mean even even with the dodgers being tired they're still a good team and they can they can still get you and so you know that was an exciting nlds between the dodgers and the giants i watched the last two games of that series you know with with interest to see who we were going to play but yeah i agree i mean i did want the dodgers to win i wanted to have games one and two be here in atlanta um i didn't want to have to go out to san francisco honestly to to play games one and two so it, it worked out in our favor all right we've had a lot of great major league baseball players over the years that had the opportunity to play for both clubs the giants and the braves some of the notable players that i could think of obviously tim hudson uh milky cabrera is one comes to mind jock peterson recently uh what are some players that stick out in your mind and i i got a lengthy list of players that played for both organizations what comes to mind? Like, what was the best player in your mind that actually played for both teams? Man, um, that's a good question. One I should have probably prepared for. You, you know, Deion Sanders played for both teams. Did he? Okay. Yeah, he, he did play for the Giants in 1995. A fictional player. You ever see the movie The Fan with Wesley Snipes? I didn't. Yes. Bobby Rayburn, who Barry Bonds got mad because they thought that that was a fictional version of Barry Bonds. Uh, played for the Braves, and then he played for the Giants. Of okay. Course, of course, uh, spoiler alert, John Cruck is in the movie, and, and he, he gets killed by Robert De Niro in the end. Oh, here's, uh, oh here we go. I got some names for you here. Uh, okay. some, I got some old ones for you, actually. Uh, so Felipe Alou was a player oh. who played for the, for the Giants and the Braves. Dusty like- Baker, manager, legendary manager for the yeah. Giants. He played ball with the Braves. There's a couple of good names for you right there. Um Gordon Beckham. Gordon Beckham was a UGA grad. Um, played on that played, 2008 College World Series. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, let's see. Who else? Um, oh, another one. This is actually my mom's favorite player when I was growing up. Damon Berryhill. Oh, yes. I remember Damon Berryhill. He was a catcher. He was. He was a catcher. He yeah, played for the, oh. the Giants. Also caught for the Braves. Um, 92, 93, somewhere in there. Uh, Gregor Blanco was Ryan, another good one. Ryan Klesko. Ryan Klesko, that is another good one. I forgot Klesko uh, did oh, play for Justin. the Giants for a little bit. Dan Ugla. Oh, that's right. Ugla did play for the Giants, didn't he? Yes. It was briefly, right? 
Re- yeah, briefly. Uh, oh, Jeff Francoeur also played for the Giants briefly. Jeff Francoeur, okay. That's right. He did. You're right about that. How do you feel about Michael Harris II? Uh, Michael Harris II has exceeded my expectations so far um, as for what he's done. When, uh, when they called him up, I was a little bit worried. I mean, the kid the kid was drafted his third-round pick in 2019. And so he played half a year of rookie ball in 2019, missed all of 2020 because of the pandemic. There was no minor league ball. And so last year in 2021 was his, his was his first full season in, in professional ball, you know. And so and he played at the low A and high A levels. Um, he got promoted. He was started the year in double A. So he really had played maybe – not even two full months above, you know, at the, the higher minors level, which is double A AA and triple A. And so I was like, man, I, I, you know, pulling this kid up so quickly, it's not, you know, not that he couldn't do it. It just seemed like such a, such a rush to do it. But the Braves were in desperate need for a center fielder. Um, you know, uh, Adam Duvall played, played well out there in center field. He played well in the playoffs last year in center field, but he's just not a true center fielder. Um, and I think it was affecting his his um, his bat his his at bats um, as he was just off to such a terrible start to the season. And so getting you know getting a guy like uh, Michael Harris the second that can play center field and play very good center field too, and allow Duvall to move back over into a corner outfield position where he's a little bit more comfortable. And you know he's a Gold Glover out in right field, so he can play those corner infield positions really well. Getting him there helps. So I, you know, I understood the reasoning behind it. Um, you know, I also thought that maybe, you know, with these young kids, you know, maybe this was just, Hey, we'll evaluate him. We'll see if he can handle it. If he can't, maybe he can buy us some time until we can figure out, you know, who to trade for, what kind of center fielders will be available on the market, you know, as we get into July and stuff. But Michael Harris has been holding his own. Um, you know, he hasn't, he didn't come up and light the world on fire, but he's slowly getting it. You can see he's starting to get more hits um, and, and the powers finally showed up, um, which I knew he had some power. He was hitting home runs down in double A, but over the last week, the powers really showed up. He's hitting three, he's hit three home runs in the last week. And so including one out in, um, out in Chicago yesterday. And so uh, he's playing really, really well. And he's done everything that's been asked of him, which is, you know, the, you know, put together good at bats, and play good center field, and he's done that. He's made some outstanding plays, gold glove-type plays out there. Um, and really, his him coming up it was kind of in line with when that 14-game winning streak started. So really, his him getting kind of put into that lineup as well as kind of stabilizing center field for us. Um, and between that and Spencer Strider moving to the rotation and, and stabilizing that fifth spot, um, that really kind of was the catalyst that brought – on that 14-game winning streak that we have this month. It is going to be an exciting Major League Baseball season. Hopefully, the Braves will play the Giants in the postseason. I would love to see that again. Uh, Justin, while we were talking, I, I thought of some more former Giants and Braves players. You remember Russ Ortiz played yes. for both the Giants and Braves. Yes, he did. And then uh, Reggie Sanders. You remember back in the 90s and the early 2000s, every team Reggie Sanders played for was like made a huge, like a big postseason run. He did, except for us. Um, but yes, I do remember when Reggie oh, played, yeah. when Reggie played. Uh, Reggie actually the the year he played for us, he actually was a down year for him. He didn't put up quite the big numbers that he that we were accustomed to him putting up throughout most of his career. I don't know what it was about playing with the Braves; it just didn't agree with him. 
Um, but we only had him for the one season, and his numbers were down. His power numbers were down. And, and I think I think he went to the Giants and had a great year after he left us. But yeah, he he was a good he was a solid ball player for the majority of his career. And also another brave and giant, Kenny Lofton. Yes, Kenny Lofton played for the Giants too. I forgot about that. Oh yeah, I I, I play this game like during football season. I'll I'll come up with all the players that play for the 49ers and the Falcons. Actually, I, I have a fun game of the former Georgia Bulldogs that play for the 49ers. That's that's a fun game. Oh, I bet, yeah. <laughs> Who wins the College World Series? Man, you know what? Right now, Arkansas is really impressing me right now. I would put some good money on them. They took it to Stanford. They brought out the sticks mm-hmm. and and just, oh, they, they whooped up on Stanford. They Of course, they play Ole Miss, uh, Oklahoma. I think they are in prime position to get the clean sweep. The women won the softball college world series and Oklahoma could probably win the college world series. I don't think that's ever happened in NCAA. I don't think we've ever had a school win both softball and baseball in the same year. I don't, I can't recall off the top of my head, but yeah, um, they played very, Oklahoma's looking really good too. Um, They're going to be a tough, tough one to, to, to play. I could easily see since Arkansas and, in Oklahoma are in different brackets. I could I could see them too, maybe both coming out of uh, their brackets as winners and playing each other for the championship. All right, I'll just I I really appreciate you being on the show, uh, just talking some Braves and Giants. I mean, we're both passionate fans of our teams, but really, there's that respect factor. We know that that they are both class organizations, and it should be for a good four game series. I I really cannot wait to watch these games. Uh, of course, it, you know. Game one happened last night, and, of course, I'll run that down in the start of the show. But uh, what a pitching matchup. I, I cannot believe, you know, that the pitching matchup, you know, the Giants haven't really set up their pitching rotation. But Logan Webb, I mean, he was just incredible last year going up against Max Freed. You couldn't ask for a better pitching matchup. Not not the start of big four-game series. You got both teams' aces going up against each other. Um, when Logan Webb, Webb is on, he gets ground balls. And so there'll be a lot of, could be a lot of ground balls on the infield. Same thing with Max. When Max is on, he gets a lot of ground balls too. Um, so, and Max has pitched fantastic this year. Um, so far he, he got off to a little bit of a bumpy start, but he's been every bit of the ace that we know he can be, um, since mid April. So he's been pitching really, really outstanding. So both, both lineups will have their work cut out, um, going up against these two starters. All right. Thank you so much, Justin, and uh, I will talk to you soon. All right, man. Thanks for having me on the show. All right. That was Justin Dale, lifelong Atlanta Braves fan that's agreed to talk up the Giants and Braves series that is actually going on right now. Game one was actually last night. So thank you, everybody, for listening to the show. And don't forget to like, subscribe to my Facebook channel. And stay tuned for tomorrow as I'm going to have Angela Culliver on the show. So hope that everybody has a great rest of your day. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdry. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been The Sports Beat, with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. 
Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.